I often tell people progress beats perfection every time. Just start somewhere. Little incremental changes. Okay, all the things that she talked about are all the things in her book. What what really, here's all the things. Okay, what am I going to work on first? And what is my goal? Just make some progress. Get started on something. And then when you get started, you'll see some changes. That'll build up momentum for something else. And you go and you go and you go. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer women. Are we wise women? Are we mavens? Are we crones? Hell yeah. And we're also still curious, fun-loving, interesting, the list goes on. This podcast is for you. My guests are folk who have a message for our demographic. And if you want to hear a specific message, let me know and I'll find the guests. This podcast is also a conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. I try and let my guests have the greater say, and usually we fit in a good laugh or two. Listen in now to today's guest. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Clutter. I have a couple of thoughts about clutter. Sometimes when my schedule gets away from me and there's things not put away, I can get irritated. I've seen homes where years worth of newspapers were stacked in piles going down the hall. I think that could be classified as hoarding. And I've seen people in their 90s with a lifetime of memorabilia. Is that hoarding or merely decades worth of memorabilia? My guest today is a registered CPO, Certified Professional Organizer. I believe Angie speaks to more than just the physical clutter we sometimes allow to rule our lives, but also our to-do list clutter and our gadget clutter. And let's not talk about the car. <laughs> you know, smartphones and tablets and the games we play on those gadgets, boy, I tell you, they, they, they're time thieves, if nothing else. It's my pleasure to welcome Angie Heitch to the podcast today. Angie, welcome to the Boomer Woman's podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Okay, Angie, we all have tales about clutter, uh, too much stuff. What's your story about clutter? Well, uh, when I started my professional organizing business in 2016, I started working with clients with their physical clutter and helping them organize their lives. And um, I would come home to my pretty clutter-free home, so I thought, Kind of, kind of arrogant, like, oh, it's so nice to be here in this clutter-free home. I do not have issues with clutter at all. And then the more I learned about clutter and the more I learned that it goes way beyond just the physical stuff, the more I realized I had just as much a problem with clutter as my clients. But it just so happens that my clutter is invisible. So I define clutter as anything that distracts us from our priorities, and the kind of clutter I deal with is in my schedule and in my mind, what I call attention clutter. So I've become more humble about it and um, realized that it's pretty per pervasive and damaging. And so I am passionate about helping people identify and eliminate their clutter so they can focus on what's most important and spend time doing what they want to do. I think it's interesting to have you point out that there can be clutter in your brain. Cause I think we talk about clutter and we all often think about the physical stuff lying around the house yes. uh, and, and what we have too much of, but yeah, when you start talking about gadgets and what's in your brain and all that sort of stuff. So you became a CPO before now in your, in your bio, it says you, you and your husband shed approximately 75% of your belongings in order to simplify your own life. Mm -hmm. So which came first? So I started my business in 2016. Uh, we moved into a small downtown loft in 2019. So, and the more I worked with clients and saw their physical clutter, the more I wanted to shed of my own belongings. Now, 
also, you know, a, a huge factor is that we became empty nesters. And so we didn't need the extra rooms, but we really did get rid of at least 75% of our stuff. And we continue to keep a close eye on what comes in because if you don't, you know, it's not a one-time process, it's a lifestyle. So everything that comes in has to be replaced by something that goes out or, or you'll continue to accumulate. Yeah, I've heard people say if something's coming in, something has to go out. Yes. <laughs> so, Okay, so how and where does one become a professional organizer slash declutterer? Well, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. There are thousands and thousands of professional organizers across the country and across the world. And you don't have to necessarily have any credentials to put your sign out and say you're a professional organizer. But I believe there are levels of education and professionalism that help you be a better organizer. Most people in the United States that are very serious about being trained and staying up on the profession and, you know, continuing to educate themselves are members of the professional association, which is NAPO, National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And they have many, many, many online classes, conferences, email lists, just tons of resources. In order to be a professional member, you have to take a few of their basic classes. And so I would say not most professional organizers aren't necessarily a member of NAPO. And then within NAPO members, there are also certifications that you can get. A certified professional organizer, only about less than 5% of all professional organizers earn those credentials. It requires 1,500 documented hours of paid organizing, as well as passing a difficult exam, recertifying every three years with uh, continuing education. So it doesn't mean that if someone isn't a NAPO member and isn't certified that they can't help you. But I feel like those are those are really the best way to start. I probably talk to one or two people a month still that will say, "Do you are you uh, hiring? I've always wanted to do this work and I would love for you to hire me. And, you know, I, I always have to say, no, I'm not looking to hire someone. And if someone is serious about starting it, I will meet with them and, and tell them, here's the real truth about getting into this profession. Because while it's easy to kind of hang your sign out, there's a whole difference between I know how to organize and I know how to run a business. Good so, point there. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm feeling a little bit smug that I've got a real professional here. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I say that, I don't, I don't say that to be like, well, look at me, you know, I'm in the top echelon for me. It was one. I'm super nerdy. I love to learn and I'm kind of a, hundred percent or like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all out. So I wouldn't have done it any other way. And I'm also very humble about my own clutter issues uh, in my book and in presentations. I'm very honest about my issues. So I come, you know, just I'm with you. I, I'm with everyone on the clutter <laughs> journey. So well, I think what caught my attention was the number of hours you have to have yeah. behind you that it was like, oh, my goodness, she's done the, yeah. quite a bit of this. This is great. <laughs> so now, now part of what you said earlier suggests to me that this probably goes hand in hand with our consumerism. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we are just being in America alone qualifies us in the upper echelon wealth wise of the whole world, you know developing countries would just, they would be amazed that we talk about having too much. It, you know, it's a blessing and a curse that we can have not just what we need to survive or to be comfortable, but just, you know, continual, continual bringing things in without the habits of, of taking things out. Yeah. So, you know, my favorite statistic as far as physical clutter um, there are so many storage units in our country. I think it's 90% of the storage units in the entire world are in America. And there's so many of them that you could literally take every man, woman, and child in our country and put them inside a storage unit all at the same time and we would all fit. 
but they, you know, our clutter costs us dearly in terms of our money and our time and our mental health and so many ways. It's amazing. There was a lot, a lot that I knew before I read my book, but there was a lot that I discovered in the research that I would never have known. But there's a link between clutter and depression, a link between clutter and excess weight, between clutter and decreased test scores in children. I mean, it, it really does. It really does damage us. Yeah. It, it, a story I have told on occasion is I used to be the fundraising chair for Special mm. Olympics. And there was one year, especially, that I was collecting donations for a, a mm -hmm. silent auction. And so my office started yes. getting these piles of things. And and it wasn't like, it's not like it's my stuff. Right. It was temporary, but I find myself just getting yes. irritated and I hated my office. And, and then, you know, the day came when we had our big auction and everything cleared out and it was just like, yes. I could feel this weight coming off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So let's start on a personal okay. level. If I decide to downsize, but I'm having a hard time of it, where would you suggest I start? I always any situation where they're working with someone, just giving someone advice, or even if I'm approaching someone, something, you have to start with very, uh, very specific goals. You know, what, what are you looking at? What, if, if you could, my favorite question is if you could wave a magic wand and all the work was done, if we're talking about physical clutter, what, what are you, what would your space either where you are now, or if you're moving your future space, what would it look like? every room, how would it function, and really get a clear image of that. Record it in some way, write it down, type it out, whatever. If you don't have those clear goals in the beginning, then when it gets hard, and it will, then you're tempted to be like, oh, it's fine. It's better. It's fine. So I always say start with those goals first. And um, are we talking about physical clutter in this situation? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick with physical for for now. We'll get yeah, into the yeah, rest of sure. it in a few minutes. Um and then so it, you know, if there's a a widespread clutter problem after you've set your goals, there's a lot of different directions you can go. Uh, even among professional organizers, we don't always go the same way um, as far as the order. You know, you talk to Marie Kondo, Japanese organizer, and she has a very specific order and I've done that order. And then some people will do room to room, one, some will do category to category, but you can, there's a bunch of ways. One way that I will say is a good way is start with what is affecting your daily life most. Um, so whatever, or what's just driving you crazy. I also like uh, Dana K. White, who's an author and podcaster. She has something called the visibility rule. And I think it's a great one, especially if the clutter has made it to where you don't feel comfortable having guests in. Literally pretend that you are a guest and start at your front door. What do guests see on the front porch when the door is open? And start in those common areas, the entryway, the living room, the kitchen. Start decluttering there and then slowly work your way back to the, to the areas where guests wouldn't as frequently go. So that's a good way to do it. I always say, you know, as you're going through your physical belongings, it's uh, when you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I decide what, you know, is this clutter? Is this not? I don't know. The easiest thing to ask about a, an, an item, if you're trying to decide, is there's two questions. Do I love it? Do I use it? And if you cannot say a resounding 100% yes to both of those questions, you ought to be at least considering letting it go. You really have to be brutal because less stuff is more freedom. Absolutely. It just reminded me of something there that when I bought my first house uh, after my divorce, uh, I had teenage children and my eldest daughter and her friend came shopping mm -hmm. with me. And it was just at a thrift store because mm -hmm. money was tight at the time. And that's exactly what I said to them. I said, if it's kind of cool or funky, I said, pick it up. I said, if you can tell me what to use it for, you can put mm, it in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You just took me back there. Sorry, I did interrupt no, you. No, that's fine. I will something, say something specifically for boomers. I, I work with a lot of middle-aged and older clients and, and speak to those groups. And I feel so strongly about this. I'm very passionate about the fact that we should not we should try with everything in our being not to leave a burden. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, uh, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margreta Magnusson. She is a woman in her 80s in Sweden. She actually just published a second book. And so in, in Sweden, I wish that we had this tradition, but this is something that they uh, look forward to, to doing death cleaning. Now, that sounds incredibly morbid. Nobody wants to talk about death, but it's not just about death. It's also about making your life better now. So they make a habit of going through all their belongings, identifying what they don't need, and either going ahead and giving it or identifying who will get it, making provisions for that. And there's a quote from her book that I like to share because it's very eye-opening. Let's see, let me find it here. So she says, do not ever imagine that anyone will wish or be able to take time off to take care of what you didn't bother to take care of yourself. No matter how much they love you, don't leave this burden to them. And that sound, it may sound harsh, but if you have ever, you know someone who's had to deal with someone's things when they've had to make a transition or if they die, you understand completely. I get contacted by so many people who say, my mother, my aunt, my grandfather, whatever, left this house full of stuff. And they're just, they're, they're dealing with their grief and they're completely overwhelmed. Just like, what do I do with this? The other thing is that it's not, like I said before, it's not just about not leaving the burden, although that is a huge incentive. But the process of going through your things and parting with what you don't love and use will make your life and your space so much more peaceful. And spending that time reflecting as you go through your things is a really enjoyable thing. Being, being able to tell your story and find the things that help you tell that story going through them and sharing them is it's uh it's priceless well after a career in elder care i will also add the safety mm -hmm. factor yes of getting rid of stuff so that you can make it between like through rooms between furniture all that sort of stuff is absolutely is and people wait until they they wait too late and then they either physically cannot do the work the the space is dangerous They've lost their, you know, muscle mobility, whatever, or mentally they can't do the work. Uh, you know, they're they've started to suffer with dementia and they can't make the decisions. They can't tell the stories. Um, so it, it's it's so much better to do it on your timeline. It's never too early, never too early, to start that process. Right now, now I'm feeling the need to say that I was working with other people when, <laughs> so it's just not not necessarily my clutter here. But I find that I have a saturation level. Mm. I can go for hours, even days sometimes, sorting and tossing and all that stuff that needs to be done. But I f suddenly find myself, it's like, I look at something and I can't yes. make the decision anymore because I've just done too much. So I have to mm -hmm. walk away for probably a couple it's of days. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. There's some physical exhaustion, but there's also just the mental exhaustion of decision after decision after decision. Yeah, so so short spurts are are great for that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like most of us boomers are either looking at like downsizing our own lives, or we're dealing with the parents who are mm -hmm. still alive. Now, dealing with parents, of course, there's that family thing, and it can be really stressful. It can create arguments and rifts. Is is that when it's probably better to call in a professional? because you know how to speak to that older generation. Oh, it's such it's such a dance figuring that one out. I uh, I recently started helping my father. Uh, he is a widow mm -hmm. and uh, up until like 6 9 months ago, he was living on his own in a second floor apartment and mowing people's yards at age 83. And then it felt like the blink of an eye. All of a sudden it was no, he can't mow, and no, he can't live in a second-story apartment, and he must go. Well, first he was in the hospital, and we almost lost him. Then he was at our little bitty loft downtown on the second floor, and I had to help him go through every single belonging and figure out what to take to assisted living, and it was crazy. Now, I had been begging him for years, and we had had arguments for years because I knew how bad it was. He wouldn't let me touch it. And the thing was, it it got to the point where he had no choice. 
and you know he was paying rent and then in the hospital and then in assisted living for a place that he wasn't in but and so it was just like I had to put my whole life on hold for months to go through that oh you know I, I think and there's so much psychology involved in this and I don't you know, there's not one plan that works for everybody. You know, I have one of my best clients. Uh, she has done great work in her own decluttering. She's tried to help her parents. She knows that her parents' home and their lake home will be primarily her responsibility when they pass. And they just, they've let her do tiny bits. But beyond that, she's just fighting. And she's like, I'm tired of fighting because it makes our interactions unpleasant. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and I'm forgetting the book that I wanted to recommend for this. Don't toss my memories in the trash. It is uh, by professional organizer v Vicky Delacquila. I'll have to send you that so you can maybe, if you do show notes. Okay. Um, yeah, but I do. Yeah, she, um, she talks about clients who have made that change of their own volition, their own timing, and then compares them to clients who didn't. And I think reading those stories is very powerful. And you just kind of have to see where, where they are in their thinking. And it is so hard, so hard. That might be a really good segue. I'm currently caretaking the family home of a late client. Now, it was in the family for over 100 mm -hmm. years. To walk through this house six months ago, you, you would have thought that you were walking through a museum. Mm -hmm. After the client passed, the local auction house came through. And I was surprised at some of the things that they said, lovely, but no value. Mm -hmm. Do we all think that our things, especially our old things are more valuable? Oh, than they really absolutely. Are? Absolutely. And uh, people can, it, it's like they're, they're held hostage by all these things that they've kept because they're going to be worth something someday. Oh, I got to save that because that that value is just increasing. I mean, and and then if you really want to know how how much something is worth, it has nothing to do with what you paid for it, with how much you think it's worth. It is what people will pay you for it. So if you look on eBay for not the not what people are asking for, but what, for what people actually pay for it, it's very eye-opening. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's rarely worth what we think it's worth. And the thing is that, you know, you save all this up and I'm going to make a bunch of money. But the thing is, it's hurting you now. It is in your way physically and emotionally. And so it's just so much better to let it go. So much better. And the other thing is that people will say, well, I'm def I'll sell that stuff and I'll get some money. Okay, well, how are you going to sell it? Well, I'll put it on Facebook marketplace. Well, that's a great thing, but do you know how to do that? Do you know what you have to do? Do you know you got to take all the pictures? You got to price it correctly. You got to answer all the inquiries. You got to figure out, are they going to come to your home? I mean, it is a lot of work. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, looking at things and I, I guess I look at my stuff, which there's another subject is I obviously need to live. Yeah. I have some beautiful antiques, but you know, obviously, I don't want to get rid of them now because where would I put my dishes? Yeah. <laughs> but I've also said to my children that this is not your style. I know yes. that you are not interested in this stuff. So the minute I'm dead and gone, you know, if the auction doesn't want it, send it down to the thrift store. And and, and I so think that that is so. fantastic because you have already given them permission to do whatever they want with it. And you have recognized that just because they don't want your stuff that says nothing about the value your relationship or their love for you it's just yeah. not their style uh, that that's that's wonderful and you kind of talked about auction and estate sales you know and i think it may depend on the area like in this area that ends up being a really really good route to go especially if you're going to move uh, because what some of these companies will do as i say literally all you have to do is pull out what you want to keep. That is it. You don't have to sort it. You don't have to price it. You don't have to display it, you know, and then they take a cut and they, they can sell some things that you would think, really? I mean, people will buy that. And unfortunately it's contributing to their own clutter, but that's not your problem. <laughs> but the only, the only solution that does not work is to do nothing. And that is what most people do. I'll also speak to the fact that they come in because, once again, living in this house, 
the auction house basically said, well, you know, that room will take everything. This other room will take everything but those uh-huh. two pieces. And th- the bottom line being, if they can sell it, great. But they also took responsibility for, you know, getting it in the store and yes. then really realizing, oh, actually, it's got cracks or something. We can't really sell it. So they donate it. Yes. It needs to be donated. You know, so it really does take that pain away. And, and perhaps it's my mother would have said penny wise pound foolish. But, you know, you sort of think, well, you know, I can do this and I can do that. But your time, by the time you hire yes. the movers, by the time you hire this, you know, if it's just easier to let you know, that other auction house come in and, and take yes, their cut. Definitely. And as far as the order of things, you know, if if their clutter, physical clutter situation is so big that, you know, the, it's dangerous, non-functional, you know, then you got to work on getting a bunch of stuff out, you know, make it safe, start with big stuff. If it's a functional home and most of the clutter is, you know, in the closet or in the drawers or I used to say, wait to do the sentimental stuff till last. And in some situations, I think that's still good. However, I've kind of changed my thinking a little bit on that as I start getting more passion for telling your story and leaving your legacy, especially with mental decline, you're going to start forgetting things. And so many, many, many people that I know and work with have boxes and boxes and boxes full of pictures and letters and this and that. No one is enjoying them because they are just crammed in these boxes. And the children and grandchildren, they don't want to be handed big boxes that are just a crammed mess of pictures. So I'm passionate about going through those memories and making some sense of them and you know, a, a huge percentage of those photos are, are you know, they're doubles, they're blurry, they're who is that, you know, assembling those stories. It can be a lot of fun, especially, you know, working on it as a family. And um, your, your relatives want to know these things about you now, you know, work on it with them. And then, but if you just leave that mess to them, then they're not going to have time to work through that or, or not want to. And, you know, that that's another kind of burden. Well, and I know after my mother passed, I inherited this mm-hmm. suitcase and it was full of pictures. Now, it turned out they were full of pictures of my father's family who had died 14 mm-hmm. years previously. So it was like, you're all related to me somehow, but I don't have a clue right. who you are. You know, so as you say, to to take care of that stuff ahead of time, then you can figure out who all these people are. You can explain to the next generation, this is your heritage, whatever it is. But, you know, instead of that, it just felt so awful putting these family photographs into the cycle. But I don't don't have a clue who they are. And my kids will even have less of a clue. And so if you work on that now and tell them the stories, they will know. You did mention um, potentially hiring a professional. So here's what I'll say about that. If you want to find professional organizers, run the gamut of people. There are people that do only photos. Those are called the photo managers. They're fantastic. They can help you with photos. People that do all residential, all business, all productivity, all hoarding. I mean, there's so many. um, And of course, I think professional organizers are wonderful because I decided to be one. But if you do want to find someone in your area, you can go on the NAPO website, which is napo.net. Enter your zip code and you'll find a list and it'll tell what their specialties are. Are they certified or not? You know, you can kind of see if someone can help you. There are also many, many people that work virtually, many that did it way before COVID, some that started at COVID. So Yes. And sometimes it is very helpful to have that outside opinion. Uh, You know, the professional who does not have a vested interest in this stuff and cannot, won't get in that battle and can help you through those, those struggles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, if, if a, an organizer, professional organizer makes suggestions, it's through that professional lens, not the daughter or the son being a pain in the proverbial. So, uh, yeah, it takes away that that emotional mm-hmm. side of it. Okay, so we've started with clutter. We've done some discussion of clutter. Now, what about the to-do list? Let's start there and then let's move on okay. to gadgets. So let's, yeah, so schedule. I, I talk about schedule clutter being in your to-do list and your calendar. So 
what you have to evaluate when you're looking at your calendar and to do and your to to do list is be able to take a magnifying glass and examine everything and say ask yourself is this serving me well now is this part of who i am now or who i am trying to be or is this part of my past and it's just time to give it up it's not serving me well anymore and then more importantly than that even is does this align with my priorities and that requires knowing your priorities and it also requires not just knowing what you think your priorities should be but figuring them out and i mean i i readily confess that for a lot of my adult life i played the game of you know going to church and serving god and god's the most important than my family then but my schedule didn't necessarily reflect it. And if you live out of balance like that, disaster can occur. <laughs> um, so <laughs> is this serving me well now? Is it necessary to do this? You know, even if it's something, you know, you've been on this committee for 25 years, and but maybe it's time for you to not be on the committee. And maybe that organization that's struggling, maybe its life is over, you know, maybe it's time for it to put it to rest, you know, does it serve me well now or what I'm looking for in the future? And does it align with my priorities? And you got to be brutal just like you are with your stuff. I recommend everyone have a no mentor. So someone that knows you well enough to know if you, let's say you've got a busy schedule and you're trying to, you know, cut the clutter from your schedule and your to-do list. And then an opportunity presents itself before you just say, oh yeah, sure. I can do that because you know, that's not for six months and I don't have anything planned then. But the thing is six months from now, your schedule will fill up again and you may or may not be happy that you said yes to it. But someone that knows you well enough to go to them and say, Hey, I got this opportunity potentially do this. What do you think? And they can, knowing you, knowing your schedule, knowing what you're passionate about, uh, be able to say, yeah, I think that, you know, that is something that you would enjoy, that would you would get a lot of joy out of that. Yeah, I think that's something you can consider. Or someone that can say, you know what, I think you'd be good at that, but I'm not sure that's best for you right now in this season of your life. Okay, so that leads into a rather sensitive question that is not okay. in my notes. People. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes we have these people that they were good friends and now they're almost like uh-huh. a burden and yet you feel guilty sort of shedding them, but you know you should because they yes. let you down. Does that come under your bailiwick? Uh, it's not something that I've necessarily like formally helped people with, but it, it's certainly, you know, if it's distracting you from priorities, it's clutter. Now that sounds horrible to consider people clutter. And I think you know, relationships are one of the things that make us happiest, that most fulfill us. So, and I'm not a person that would say just, you know, cut that person out of your life, but you also have to know you've got limited time, limited resources. And if that, if that relationship is not aligned with your priorities and serving you well, then you're going to have to make some hard decisions. As you were as you were speaking there, I was thinking that, you know, obviously parents, you don't right. just cut them out like family. It's one one segment. But if your phone rings and your caller ID shows and you think, no, maybe that's a bit of a hint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, something in your gut, your spirit, how you were going to say it. Um, yeah, I've had people that when I see their their name on my phone, my immediate reaction is nothing good can come of this. <laughs> So you've just got to figure out a way to be kind, speak truth, but, you know, figure out how to prioritize the relationships that are serving you well. Yeah. Interestingly, somebody just recently, fortunately, I cannot remember who, said somebody just told them that that the friendship just wasn't working for them. So, you know, they were just going to end it. And I thought, well, that that is really nice because, I mean, if you have a like a, a, a romantic relationship and it's right. not working out, yes. you break up. But friends too often yes. don't break up, even though it's not working for anybody anymore. So, you know, to, to not shy away from that friend breakup is probably. Yes. Good. And it's so much 
better than that whole just oh angst filled month after month where you're like oh my gosh I, I've got to do something about this <laughs> we generally most people really hate confrontation and so then there's just oh there's so much pain involved in not just being forthright um, I tend to be one that dives headlong into confrontation and gets into trouble from it, but I can't handle conflict. It just eats away at my soul. So, so did someone approached you and, and said that about, no, okay. it was a friend of mine who said that their okay. friend had, and how, um, did she, how did she react so to far, it? Nobody. Was she okay with it? Well, she was, I think she was a little right. surprised. She wasn't hurt because she understood right. it was logical. But I think because friends never really usually right. break up, she was sort of surprised. And of course, I was like, oh, my God, that's uh -huh. great. So, you know, uh, you know, it just it makes it quite clear that you don't have to worry about keeping in right. touch or communicating. Or I anything. think that shows a lot of maturity. Um, I actually had a friend yeah. just reminds me that I had a friend do that in um, in middle junior high school. And, you know, our paths were really going in different directions. And that's what she said. And. At the time, it was like, oh, gosh, oh, just like stabbed me in the heart. But the thing was, it was natural. I sometimes will mourn lost friendships, but we can't just like we can't keep all the stuff we've ever had. We can't keep all the relationships. We we don't have that much time. So sometimes it, it is naturally time to move on and it's OK. Yeah. Well, there we go. OK, so everybody's now yes. got permission. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, phone, gadget, oh, games. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is a huge category for me. I am not proud to admit, but want to be very honest that this was a huge issue for me. It is still a small issue for me, but my family begged me for years to get off my phone. Uh, Facebook, email, texting, whatever. I made some little half-hearted attempts, but I had to get really serious about it. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with being on Facebook, in Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever. It's not that that in and of itself is wrong. However, when we let our attention be grabbed so much by that and we're not there for the relationships, for the things that we say are our priorities, that is a real problem. Um, the greatest gift you can give someone is your full attention. I believe that 100%. And if you are with someone and also trying to deal with things on your phone, whether or not you agree with this, you are communicating to them that whatever is on your phone or your tablet or your whatever is more important than they are. So it is a huge issue as far as attention clutter. It's not the only one, but it's huge. I had to take some very drastic measures with my devices to make a difference. And it still is something I have to watch. Is is it a personality thing? Maybe it's my age thing. Cause I know when I got my last, it was several years ago, my last iPhone, you know, it was the old story of, oh, you hook up Facebook, you hook up Messenger, yeah. you hook up this, you hook up that. And I'd never had that on my phone before, mm -hmm. but I found it so irritating to ding, yes. ding, beep, whatever, that it was like, oh, get rid of this stuff. I'll go on Facebook when I darn well mm -hmm. feel being on, like being on Facebook. So as I say, that is that just perhaps like a personality thing then? Because obviously that that would catch your attention as opposed to irritating. Yeah. And, and so, and all of those things, you can, you can turn off the bells. You can turn off the little, they call them badges when you have a little number that'll appear at your app. My husband is an uh, iPhone app developer. So I'm very, oh, okay. uh, I'm pretty tech savvy thanks to what he's taught me. All of those things you can turn them off. I Facebook was one of the ones that I was most addicted to and I literally deleted the app. Now I can still get to Facebook on my phone but I have to go to Chrome or Safari or whatever um type it in. But those little things that you do to make it harder make a huge difference. Like there's this cool thing you can do on your uh on your phone you can make it grayscale meaning that everything is black and white. So when you look at your home screen, it's not all pretty with all the little apps. <laughs> Even that step right. alone, there there is some fascinating science. And a lot of this is in my book because attention clutter is a huge issue for me. Now, that being said, I do a lot. My phone saves me time sometimes, and I use it like crazy, my calendar and you know GPS and all that. But 
there are lots of ways to make the the apps and the programs that are helpful for you available while making the ones that you're trying to not be so into less available and to help your, uh, you know, be on it less. Not charging the phone right beside your bed was a small thing that I changed and it made a huge difference. I never even thought about it. I thought it's got to be by my bed because if there's an emergency, I've got to be able to pick it up. But the thing is, if it's an emergency, they're going to keep calling you. And if it's right by your bed, it's so easy to just stay on it till it's really late and you fall asleep and um, not taking it to the table. We've all seen oh, we've all yeah. seen people in restaurants where either they're all on their phone or some are on the phone or some not. And this is all ages, all genders. It's very easy for older people to say, oh, yeah, those teenagers are on their phone all the time. Well, some of the people that I see with the biggest issues are not teenagers. It's all ages, all genders. But you got to make some tough choices. Well, I think, too, I mean, one of the things that works for me is I have a password manager. Yes, me too. Which means all my passwords are so yes. complex. And I, I can't possibly yes. remember them. Now, I don't want my password manager open on my phone because if I ever lose my phone, there goes right. my bank account. So I can't get into Facebook or any of those, uh, even on my tablet, it's really complicated to open. I mean, I, I do if right. it's important, I can open up right. my password manager and then link through, but then the password manager automatically shuts down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's instead of having password one, two, three on everything that uh, makes it yes. easy to access. More secure too. and you make it inconvenient, you'll do it less. And then if it's something you want to do more, you make it more convenient. That whole science of habit habits and how we change them and how we, you know, drop the bad ones and and start the good ones. I'm fascinated by all that. And it's a big part of helping people organize their life and their home. And um, I'm going to, I'll send you another, my favorite book as far as habits is uh, Atomic Habits, James Clear, revolutionary. So good. And uh, Gretchen Rubin's work too. I like um, can you see? I totally geek out over all this. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just appreciating the fact that I know some of the names. Oh, good. Good. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're you've got a lot of experience. In that experience of all the clutter in a person's life, what contributes contributes to the majority of it? So, like, is it memorabilia? Is it clothes? Is it books? Is it online games or online communication? Ooh. Like, is Wow. And I don't know. Okay. So we're talking any of the physical schedule or attention. What do I think is the biggest clutter issue overall? I'm going to say attention clutter. Because oh, okay. that, that probably contributes to everything else. Then that's sort of almost like the. I mean, it's all, the, it's the all related. Um, another source of attention clutter that is something you can do something about. And this is going to be another habit thing. A lot of times our brains are full of things we're trying to remember. Okay. I got to stop on the way home at the grocery and get this. Oh, and I need to call so-and-so. Oh, and I can't forget that I need to email, blah, blah, blah. You know, this long list of things. And we're trying to keep them up here. And then of course we forget. And so that's a big source of clutter in our minds. Now that kind of clutter, we can do something about. You can get some systems to where you get that out of your head. So this is from David Allen's landmark book, uh, Getting Things Done. And I'll put this so you can put it in the show notes. Um, So he calls those things, those like things you're trying to remember. He calls them open loops, things that are not in the state they need to be. And he says, you got to get the open loops out of your head. Our head was not, our brain was not meant to store information. It was meant to generate ideas. So all the stuff you're trying to keep in there, it's keeping you from being able to generate ideas because you're trying to hold on and you can't hold it all. So getting those open loops into trusted systems is just a game changer. So by trusted systems, it could be a piece of paper. It could be, for me, it is uh, my reminders app that I'll say, uh, remind me when I get home to set out that bag for so-and-so, so I'll remember to take uh, my Google Calendar, um, Trello. There's 
Google tasks, there are a ton of tools to use. There's no one right tool for everybody. You may use a combination of tools, but the thing is you've got to get those things out of your mind. And if that's an issue for you, which for most people it probably is, I really like having people start with what I call a brain dump. Just sit for like 15, 20 minutes with a piece of paper and a pencil or pen. And now I am big. Uh, I am a big digital person. For, for this, you need paper and pencil or pen. Write down every single thing that is clouding up your brain. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to da 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 da. And then take that list. Don't try to make it pretty. Don't do bullet point. You know, just just scribble, scribble, scribble till it's all out. And then figure out, okay, for this thing, do I need to put it on my calendar? Do I need a reminder at a certain time? That's one of the things I love about this. I can say, remind me, like today, I said, remind me at, uh, you know, 10 minutes before the podcast, I had Alexa remind me to get ready because I get busy. I forget. So figuring out where to put all that so you don't have to carry it in your head so that you can be present in the moment. That's the thing with the tension clutter. You know, if I have all that in my head, all my to-do list, all this, this, that, then I finish work and I go in, uh, my husband and I are empty nesters. I go in and say, okay, hey, honey, I'm finished with work. What do you want to do? I'm no good for him if I've got all that in my head. I want to be able to, like, <laughs> actually talk to him and listen. And, you know, if I take a walk, I want to be able to look around, listen to the birds and look at the trees and, you know, yeah. So, so that's, that's part of it. One of the things it's a, it's a phrase I use quite a bit and it started when my three kids were teenagers going in umpteen different directions and I was trying to get them to use the paper calendar and they each have mm -hmm. their own column. It was a four column yeah. day timer. And I would say the memory banks are full. They are taking no more deposits <laughs> today. So it has to yes. be written down. Nice. And if it wasn't, it wouldn't happen. They knew that it wouldn't happen. And I still use the same line today. Like I, I can't keep yes. everything up here. So I use my memos on mm -hmm. my phone. And all I have to do is remember one thing and that's to right. check the memos. Yeah. So you've got a <laughs> so. system that's wonderful. And and you may try a system and then your system may fail you. Like, okay, this used to work for me, but it's not anymore. There are a lot of things that as I age, you know, things that used to work for me that don't anymore. So I, I do a lot of like, like for instance, I'll say, let's say I got to stop somewhere on the way home. And I know that, but then I've done all my other stuff, but I forgot about, the, so I'll put a post-it note like, on the steering wheel or so I mean it's just it's ridiculous but <laughs> I do stupid stuff regularly when I went to my first organizing conference my first NAPO conference I was so excited to meet my people I it, it was just and so I packed and my husband took me to the airport and I was like oh my gosh here we go and then we opened the trunk and I reached in for my suitcase and it wasn't there I guess I thought he was going to get the suitcase. That was my responsibility. I mean, I'm telling you, I have to figure out these tools because I need them. <laughs> and it's the attention clutter in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll appreciate the fact that I I taught a class before we spoke, before this uh, meeting now. And uh, I pulled into the driveway and grabbed my bags, grabbed my keys. And then I, I think I was trying to do something. And I turned around and went, Where, where's the house key? And my car key is separate right at the moment because it's been in and out of the uh -huh. shop a little bit. And then I started uh -huh. to panic. Oh my goodness, I'm talking to Angie in an hour. What do I do? You know, and it's like, breathe, breathe. <laughs> you know, I messaged my neighbor who has a key, wasn't home, ended up looking for the phone number for the place that I okay. had come from to say, could you go check? And then I'm thinking, this is, I'm sure I had the keys. I'm and sure enough, somehow I've managed to drop them and they fell under my driver's mm. seat. Boy, so I've done that. Like, but, as, you know, as you just said, it was like, you know, panic, yeah. panic, panic. And yeah, yeah. yeah, so crazy. Yeah, so sometimes we need a system so, and then we might need a backup of the system because. <laughs> it's called hiding a key. I mean, it's, it's such a normal yeah. thing to do. <laughs> oh, dear. Angie, is there anything I haven't asked you that you think midlife women should think about? I mean, you, you commented earlier, which was really good, like, don't leave all this for the kids or whoever comes in to clean up after yes, you're gone. Absolutely. That, that is, that is a huge one. Um, 
And uh, I'll tell you, when I do presentations, sometimes at the end of the presentation, I will say, now, here's what's going to happen when when we close. You know, I do all my closing stuff, and then I say, you're going to go home. You're, you're here right now saying, oh, yeah, she's so right. I definitely need to whatever. I'll tell them, you know, jot down things when, when it hits you because something's going to hit you. There's a reason you're here. So jot those things down. And you're going to go home and life resumes. And, you know, six months later, maybe you'll find this little piece of paper and you'll go, oh, yeah. I remember that lady was talking about decluttering and stuff. Yeah, I never did anything about that. These things are, it only gets harder <laughs> the older you get from a physical standpoint, from an emotional and um, uh, memory standpoint. And even, oh, here's a big point. And it, and it can seem so overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, I've got such a, how do I even? And so I, I often tell people, Progress beats perfection every time. Just start somewhere. Little incremental changes. Okay, all the things that she talked about are all the things in her book. What what really, here's all the things. Okay, what am I going to work on first? And what is my goal? Just make some progress. Get started on something. And then when you get started, you'll see some changes. That'll build up momentum for something else. And you go and you go and you go. Another thing I didn't talk about with the physical clutter, a lot of the reasons for our clutter are ineffective and inconsistency in our daily routines. You know, dishes, laundry, and daily pickup and paper management, they can just get you. Piles of paper, piles of laundry, stuff that you, you know, set it down. I'll just put it here for now. And then a few days later, your counters are full that daily stuff if you're gonna that's another great way to start let me perfect my routines my morning routine my night routine my dishes my laundry my daily pickup that's another huge emphasis as far as clutter prevention and just maintenance and you you can work in an area and get it great but if you don't maintain it you're gonna go right back to the same way you know looking at your shopping habits that could be a whole nother topic. Uh, ways to prevent <laughs> overaccumulation, because you can't just keep bringing it in. You know, it's simple math. Well, I find too that the number of times where you go to put something down and you think, you know, it's going to take me three and a half seconds yes. to put it where it needs to go, and and we just start looking mm -hmm. at that. Or you know, why would you drop it there when the key bowl mm -hmm. is right there? You know, that, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, you can do wonders with like a five-minute daily pickup at whatever time of day makes most sense for you just to put the things back, you know, just because don't you love, like you're talking about with your office, and I thought that was such a good point. When there was a lot of clutter around, you'd start the day just, oh, just irritated because it, it does that to you. Clutter does that. But then when it was all gone, like, okay, new day. And I've got a little bit of a clean slate here. It's so wonderful. At the end of my day at work, I like to like get my list ready for the next day. Like my to-do list is really messy. So I've got to do something about that. Um, but it's those daily habits. Daily habits are the real drivers of change, not those like frenzied all spend all day Saturday. Those are great. And I love them. Pull everything in a closet. I love it. But it's that daily stuff that will wake or break you. Okay, while we're talking to boomer women out there, not me, certainly. <laughs> no, gu guilty as charged. I love those pants, and I just need to lose 10 yes. pounds, and I'll be back in them. That, yep. I'm right there. I got 10 <laughs> to lose. Here's what I'll say about that. Your closet and the drawers, whatever, they are prime real estate, okay? So the only things that belong in your closet are the things that can... Uh, that you can do the four F's. Here's how you know what can, what should be in the prime real estate of your closet. Does it fit me now? And I'm going to tell you what to do with the ones that don't fit you now. But if it doesn't fit you now, it doesn't need to be hanging in your closet. You don't need to look at that every day. It's just going to frustrate you. Does it fit me now? Does it feel good? Does it flatter me? 
if I ran into someone, would I be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm wearing that. And then does it, um, does it, is there something that needs to be fixed about it? Because I've had things in my closet that are like, man, that button or that seam or whatever, it's just, it's just going to bug you. So that's why I say belongs in your closet. Now, what do you do about the things that are maybe one size up, one side down, whatever? It's always your stuff. It's always your decision. But here's what I recommend. It's okay to keep a few things that you, that are kind of aspirational. Keep them separate from your closet. Put them, in, limit how much you keep. The container concept is a really powerful principle. I'm going to keep this many or this size or whatever. I'm going to keep a few. I'm going to put a good label on it and uh, put it somewhere. Likely you'll forget it. <laughs> but um, but it's okay to keep that. And and sometimes you will get back into it. And that's awesome. But if you don't, at least you're not looking at it every day and getting bummed out and just, you know, ch chastising yourself for why you don't fit in that anymore. So it's, does it serve you now? No, it doesn't serve me right now. So I'm going to move it from what I use every day. It's okay to keep a little, but I would limit it. Just gave me an idea okay. too, because I'm a wash and wear yes. kind of person. And, but I, I keep some nice clothes on the odd occasion that I need to actually dress right. up a little bit more. And I'm just thinking that they can probably go to the back yes. of the closet. Maybe I'll just put a list Perfect. on the door and say, okay, don't forget you have those pants and that top and this yes. and that, the next thing. And so the uh, things that yeah. we use often, whether it's in the kitchen or the bedroom or the bathroom or whatever, make them as accessible as possible. You want to keep the things you use a lot at kind of waist level. You don't have to reach up high or reach down low for the things that you don't use as much can be in the back of the closet or in a bottom drawer or on a high shelf. So that's a that's a really good principle to use in, in deciding how to arrange your things. Well, I'm really glad that I'll be editing this up the road because then I can actually make notes that I'm, I can't stop <laughs> and make notes right now. This is great. Good. <laughs> okay, so you're in Tennessee. I'm on the West Coast of oh. Canada. I know you're not going to, I know you're not going to jump on a plane to come help me declutter. Um, you've already given us some books. What are some other resources out there for people to help yeah, themselves? So of course, I'm going to recommend my book, which is Unholy Mess, what the Bible says about clutter. If you are a Christian and you want to follow biblical principles, and it talks about all these physical clutter, schedule clutter, attention clutter. Now the word clutter is not in the Bible, but Talking about priorities and putting God first is absolutely a principle, and there are verses for all that. So I'll have all those books I recommended definitely in the show notes. There are so many great podcasts that uh, are on these same principles. So well, you have one, don't you? I do have a podcast uh, with my co-host, Leanna George. We will have a book that we'll publish in 2024 of the same name of the podcast, which is Uncluttered. Shaping Your Heart and Home for What Matters Most. It is also faith-based, uh, and we talk about physical, schedule, and attention clutter, all those kinds. So you can find that on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and all the major podcast platforms. The other podcasts that I love that are about organizing or productivity or habits, I love. Uh, I mentioned Dana K. White earlier with her visibility rule container concept as hers, too. Um, her podcast is called A Slob Comes Clean. Now, when I recommend that, I'm not saying that everybody that's a slob needs to listen to this, but she has really great material, especially about people for whom cleaning or organizing doesn't come naturally. You don't like doing it. She is really a stickler for those daily habits. She has several books. They're great. I also love the podcast Happier with Gretchen Rubin who's an author that I recommend often. That's my favorite podcast, probably. Just just speaking of podcasts, like I'm thinking sometimes this is a super big step yes. for somebody. But if they tune into one of those podcasts and listen, you know, whether it's week after week or day after day, whatever they can do, do you think it normalizes it enough and sort of really entrenches all the ideas that it's easier maybe to get started when it's like they they look in they walk through their house and they go like 
oh, I remember somebody talking about that. I'll do that because that I can do that instead of just saying, okay, today's the day and then going like, what? You really yeah, don't I think go. so. You're, you're going to hear the same principles over and over. And then eventually you'll be going about your day and you go, oh, wait, I remember that Dana girl said that or, oh, yeah, that's that um, that whole container concept thing. Uh, ooh, I just remembered my favorite physical clutter uh, tip. I forgot to give my favorite. Okay, so here's the thing that I think every single person that's listening to this should do. It will cost you almost no time. And it will make a big difference. If this is all you do, start this now if you don't already have this. So I call it daily decluttering. All you need is one container, preferably on the main level of your house, somewhere very easily accessible. As soon as you see anything anywhere in your home that you don't love and use, whether it's a utensil or a piece of clothing or a toiletry or whatever, put it in that container. When the container fills up, donate it. Do it over and over again. When my husband and I downsized, we got rid of so much stuff. We still continue that practice. It fills up regularly. It makes a big difference. But what we tend to do is we'll say we're in the kitchen and we're, the utensil drawer gets stuck because it's crammed. That's very common. Crammed full of stuff. We're like, oh my gosh. This is killing me. I need to go through these utensils. But you you don't. You know, because you know, to really do it right, you really need to pull them all out, sort them, you know, why do I have 10 spatulas, whatever. But if you open something and you go, what is that? I never use it. Just grab it, put it in the box. Boom, done. You do that every day, all day long. As soon as you see it put it in the container, it makes a huge difference. Okay, that sounds like a really good idea. When you were saying about the utensil drawer, I'm thinking, uh, yes, a junk drawer. Yes. Uh, it's at the bottom. Yeah, and there yeah. are so many things that you <laughs> so. can do. I, I like to talk about TV homework. There's a lot of kind of mindless tasks that you can sit and binge on some show on okay. Netflix. and like, pull out that junk drawer and the coffee table or whatever and just start pulling it all out, sorting it. It doesn't take that long. Oh, and it just feels so good. Then you open the drawer and go, oh, look at that. Um, this together, you can use those little things that you buy that are specifically at the Dollar Tree or whatever. You can use like box lids. You can use the Tupperware containers that you can't find the lid for or whatever to divide it. But there's a small task that you can do. I On the Uncluttered website right now, that reminds me, Leanna put a blog post on there that is... I think it was some number of tasks that you can do in 20 minutes or less this summer. There's all kinds of little things that you can do that, no, you didn't deal with your whole house, but boy, that junk drawer looks great. And it makes you feel good when you open it. And then you do another drawer and then you do another little snippets of time. All right. <laughs> Where do we find you on the world? Yeah. yeah. So the best place to find me is on my website, which is shipshape.solutions. There's no .com or anything. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find Leanna and I on our Uncluttered website, which is uncluttered.faith. Um, and our podcast, Uncluttered, Shaping Your Heart and Home for What Matters Most. I nerd out about all this stuff. I love talking about it. Send me an email. I will answer you. Angie at shipshape.solution. Say, what do I do? My husband is this, and I don't know about the. Just send me that. I love talking about it. I love helping people figure out their clutter issues. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. I'm just trying to think if there's a house nearby that you can just move into. <laughs> oh, and moving is <laughs> such a great head. You know, just a, a clean sweep. Oh, and even if you're not planning yeah. to move, you can pretend that you're going to move. I have a friend from high school. Uh, she and her family. I think this is a brilliant idea. Every summer they have a garage sale. Now, I'm not a huge fan of garage sales necessarily. They're a lot of work. I don't think you make that much. But what they do is they walk around the house once a year and they say, uh, either if I'm having a garage sale, would I sell this? Or would this survive the move? If we were getting ready to move, would this survive the move? If, it, if you wouldn't move it, you don't need it right now. I think that's brilliant. You know, pretend you're moving. Would this survive the move? That's a good way to look. Oh, also, oh, okay, I'm going to put this down. The minimalists. 
I'm a huge fan of The Minimalists, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus. Their podcast, their right. and we all Netflix have show, are, yeah. they have these great uh, 16 rules for minimalists for living with less, which is on their website free. Awesome. And my, one of my favorite rules is the spontaneous combustion rule. And what that says is if you're looking at something and trying to decide, you know, do I need this? Do I not? They say, how would you feel if this item spontaneously combusted? Would you be like, oh my gosh, I can hold Or would you be like, eh, yeah, that's all right. If you can, if you feel that way about it, just let it go. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's great. And, and what's great is your enthusiasm for this. This is fabulous. Oh, I love this stuff. Oh, I am dear. so passionate about it. <laughs> and just one more aside is just the fact that yeah i sold a five-bedroom house a number of years ago and moved into a one-bedroom oh, apartment good for you so yeah that works did you love it for for downsizing did you love yeah i mean realistically i did have a small storage locker because i knew that it was a, an interim right. stop and i, I wanted to yes. be sure about yes. my next stop and i do not have good for you because now, so. a lot of people get yeah. those and say it's temporary <laughs> and then like 10 years no, they're expensive. Yeah, they are really expensive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. It sounds like you have you have already put a lot of these principles in place. So good for you. Gold star for you. Well, thank <laughs> you. And I won't say it's been easy. That's for sure. I, I am my mother's daughter. Oh, dear. Okay, listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. Share this episode. We're at an age now that we need to consider our footprint. Mm -hmm. I know it's helped me to move around a bit. Selling that big house was a major sort for me, and a lot of items ended up elsewhere. And it doesn't need to be the landfill. Let someone else love your things, too. Yes. Because you're actually doing your kids and your grandkids a huge favor. Angie Hyde, thank you for being my guest and giving us so much food for thought. We're going to go out and buy books now. And speaking of that, that's all going to be in the show notes, so appreciate that everything's in the show notes at the website it's been a blast so yeah, hey appropriately named it has been a blast boom with a blast <laughs> boom with a bang, bang but blast and bang, bang. Sure yes thank there. you close enough close enough <laughs> we'll go out with a bang okay. have a great rest of week thank you mm-hmm.